Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, let's see how this goes. I'm about ready to make Peter an offer he can't refuse. You're going to wake up with a horse head in your bed. Amen. Are you doing well today? I hope you're doing better than me. <clears throat> Amen. All right, grab your Bibles. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. I'm going to do the third part, third message in a small series I've done concerning our logo. All right? Now, as you know, there are four dots in our logo. What do those four dots mean? The Tyrone section was waiting for this section, I'm just telling you. The lost, found, grow, go. That in our lives, there is a pathway of transformation that happens. That we are to be transformed into the image of Christ. But that begins, if you will, how many know we were all lost at one time? We were all lost. What does lost mean? It means we are separated from God. Separated from the Father. Separated from Him. But yet the Bible tells us that He found us. What is being found? It's coming back into relationship with the Father. All right, and then we talked a couple weeks ago about just grow up, that we are lost, we are found, and then in our lives there is a period of growing, becoming mature in our Christianity, mature in our walk. And today I want to talk to you for a few moments because I think my voice will only last a few moments. That I want to talk to you about the go part of this. All right, the the go, the progression is going from found. Lost, found, nurtured, growing, maturity, and then going. What does it mean? What does it look like when we say it's that part of our life to go? What do we mean by it? Is it going to the mission fields of Africa? Maybe, for some. Does it mean going into full-time vocational ministry? Maybe, maybe not. Does it mean serving in the church? Maybe, maybe not, probably. All right, does it mean teaching Sunday school, rangers, girls clubs, etc.? Maybe. Does it mean getting involved in local missions? Sure it does. All right, what does it mean? So I want to start with this thought process for a moment. That to begin, we have to understand this principle. Growing and going are intricately related. Listen to me for a moment. The two are so intricately related. For example, let me give it to you this way. How many of you parents... Send your kids when they were younger. You sent them on missions that were proportionate to their maturity level. You didn't give a 10-year-old a car, right? I remember one time I was working on the house, and I think Nick was about 11 or something like that, and I was up at the home, and I said to him, I said, hey, get the blazer. Go get the blazer out of the driveway. Bring it up around the yard for me, and so I'm going to out here so we can haul some stuff away. Next thing I know, I didn't tell him to go out on the road. He's out on the road driving around in a blazer. You, you don't give a mandate or you don't send your children on a mission that is not proportionate to their maturity level. All right? Now, think about that. Growing is a prerequisite to going. Going is often a demonstration of growing. Jesus spent three years with 12 men. They were lost. They were found. They grew by being with him for three years. A period of maturing, a period of mentoring, a period of discipling, right? And, and so, and then there came a moment when he said to them, 
it's time to go. It's time to go. And so today I'm going to do a short message because, you know, probably, how many know short's relative? That's entitled simply, Jesus said, go. Now I got to thinking about this. Where were the occasions that Jesus literally looked at his disciples and said, go? And then it hit me. There's some interesting things that I want to try to bring out, all right? And so read this scripture with me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus is talking to them. He says, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Now let me give you that to you in context. Verse 23 says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and come and offer your gift. Interesting. Jesus said, go reconcile with your brother. I want you to think about this for a moment. We're going to tie this in back and forth a little bit this morning between maturity and going, growing and going. He says, go and reconcile with your brother. Let me say this to you this morning. Unity demands maturity. Unity demands maturity. Mature people walk in unity. Immature people walk in division. Immature people hold grudges. Immature people would rather walk in offense. Immature people do not walk in unity with other people. But Jesus says, listen, if you are at the altar and you're getting ready to make an offering to God and you remember that you have odds with a brother, leave that offering and you go make it right with the brother. Go reconcile. Now think about this. So there's God. Here, comes, here you come, you come with an offering, you're bringing an offering to God, which is almost kind of like you and God are reconciling, right? And you and God are in relationship. But all of a sudden, Jesus says, wait a minute. Before you try reconciling with God, you need to go reconcile with your brother. Before you, isn't it amazing that we can walk into churches every Sunday, think we're going to offer up a word of praise to God, worship to God, and we hold a fence against a brother in the church? Think about it. I believe Jesus considers it more important to be reconciled to a brother than to perform a religious duty. There are plenty of people who are willing to perform religious duties and yet be at odds with their brother. Could it be, here's a question for you, could it be that reconciliation with a brother is actually a gift to God? Think about that for a moment. If you're my brother and I'm your brother, how many know we have a common father? And who's the common father? This is not a trick. When you are born again, the Bible says you become a child of God. If you're a child of God and I'm a child of God, how many know we have a common father named God? And that common father, God, is grieved whenever the brothers don't get along with one another. How many of you, in your, don't raise your hand, as parents are grieved when the siblings are fighting? That you're grieved when they hold odds with each other. You're grieved when they walk in a fence with you. You're grieved when they can't get along. Is it not a gift to you when they choose to bury the hatchet and say, I'm going to get along with my brother? Think about this. Could it be that reconciliation with a brother is actually an offering to God, a gift to God? 
Listen to me this morning. And right now, as I speak about this, there are those of you sitting here that you're justifying your division with somebody. Because right now, what you're doing in your mind is saying, yeah, but. I mean, oh, Jesus didn't put a yeah, but in here. Matter of fact, he put it upon, he put the responsibility upon the one who was coming to worship. Many people want to do great exploits for God, but can't second reconcile with their brother for the father. I want to be, I want, I want to, I want to do this God, and I want to do that God, and I want to do great things for you God, but we can't reconcile with our brother. Okay, I'll keep moving. Nobody liked that one. Think about what Paul said in Romans. Paul said in Romans what? If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully. <laughs> Easy for me to say. I got one of those coughs today that hurt your head. Like you cough and you feel like your brain's disconnecting in your head. He says, live peacefully with all men. As much as it depends on you. It depends on you. It doesn't depend on them. How many know you can, listen to me. David, the Bible says that Saul became David's enemy the rest of his life. But David never became Saul's enemy. You don't, you may have an enemy, but your enemy does not have to be your enemy. You, it depends on you. All right. Paul expressed the same idea in Ephesians where he said what? Don't let the sun get down on your wrath. Right? Because how many know that when we hold anger, when we hold grudge, how many know that's giving place to the devil? You got to hear this this morning. When, you're, when you are holding a grudge, you are giving territory in your life over to the devil. You are being imprisoned. You are being trapped. And the subtlety of the devil is that you can say, but I deserve to be that. I'm justified. No, you're not. <clears throat> Let's see, what else is Jesus? So Jesus says to his disciples, hey, go be right with your brother. Go reconcile to your brother. He said something else in that same passage. Then he says this, all right? Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. So Jesus said what? Go the extra mile. Now think about this for a moment. In that time, under military law, which Jerusalem was under military law, any Roman soldier could come to a Jewish person and say, carry my pack for a mile. And they had to do it, all right? But they only had to do it for one mile. How many of you would like it if you are made by somebody to carry their pack one mile? But Jesus says what? But I say to you, he says, go the extra mile. Go the second mile. You know, thinking about that, it's hard to go the extra mile when you, we don't want to go the first mile. You know, there are times, there are, there are, I don't want to go the second mile for somebody because I don't want to go the first mile. It's like, it's like when I was running a couple years ago. Like, I didn't want to run seven, I didn't want to run seven miles. I didn't want to run the first mile, let alone run seven miles. What's wrong with these sick people running like that? Going beyond the one mile required by law and give another mile out of the free choice of love. When you are going the second mile, it is something that's happened out of radical love. Think about it this way. 
that. It, the first mile is a surrender of the will. The second mile is a surrender of the heart. That you're doing, because do you understand what radical love it is? Radical, what's the word I'm looking for? When it's a radical act of free will that says not only will I do what you're making me do, I'm going to do beyond what I have to do. It's a radical act of free will. It's a radical act of love. It's a radical act of self-denial. It's a radical act of maturity that I say not only will I go to the first one, I'm going to go to the second one. Right? Think about this. Jesus. How many know Jesus is always the model? Yes, thank you. Jesus is always the model. Not you, not your friends, not your brother, not your sister, not your mother, not your father, not your grandfather, not your grandmother, not the pastor, not Jowdry. Jesus is the model. Jesus is the model. When Jesus is willing to walk the Via Della Rosa to die for you and I, and he gets on a cross and he says to the Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. How dare we not forgive our brothers? How dare we walk in offense? How dare we say, I'm not going to go an extra mile? How dare we? But see, maturity always goes beyond what it has to do. Right? Then he goes and says this. As you go, proclaim this message. As you go, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. What does Jesus say? Now listen to me. He says, go demonstrate the kingdom. The kingdom. The greatest message ever preached was the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I want you to go preach it. But not only do I want you to go preach it, I want you to go demonstrate it. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. This is what I want you to do. Now listen to me for a moment. Isn't it, are you seeing something here? I don't think it's actually why it goes. There's almost like there's a progression happening. Jesus says, first, go reconcile to your brother. Go the second mile. Now, start operating according to the kingdom. Now, Heal the sick, preach the gospel. Think about this for just a moment. What is the message that you preach? Is it a message of religion? Is it a message of legalism? Is it a message of denominationalism? Is it a message, what, what is the message? How many know we're all preaching a message? Everybody in here is preaching a message. Everybody's preaching a message. You're preaching a message of what? Think about it. I mean, some people preach a message of criticism. Some people preach a message of cynicism. Some preach, people preach a message of condemnation. Some people, every one of us is preaching a message. Our life is preaching every day, speaking every day. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> Hold on till I grab my brain. Go preach this message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do you understand this morning that just the kingdom was always the standard by which men would be drawn to repentance? 
that here is a kingdom greater than this world, a kingdom not of this world, a king not of this world, that we're always pointing people beyond this world. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have been given, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Demonstration. Listen to me. We need to be a people of proclamation and a people of demonstration. The kingdom is proclamation and demonstration. That we speak it, we preach it, but we also demonstrate it. Let me hurry on. Everybody said, please do. Jesus says this in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain. Let me ask you a question this morning. If I said to you, tell me the fruit of your life, what would you tell me? Tell me the fruit of your relationship with Jesus. What is the fruit of your salvation? What is the fruit of your relationship with God? What would you tell me? It's awful quiet here today. Must be my stunning voice. What would you say? What would you point to? Well, pastor, I go to church every Sunday. Well, pastor, what would you say? Jesus says you go and you produce fruit. What would that fruit look like in your life? What does it look like? Do you have fruit? Is there any fruit? Chuckling over there. Now notice what he says. But listen to me. The only way that you can go and bear fruit is if you remain. The only way that you can bear fruit, Jesus says, is what? Remain in me. Remain in the vine. The only way you can produce fruit for the kingdom, fruit for Jesus, is if you stay in relationship with him. If you stay in continual relationship with him, where what? The continual process is what? Pruning, snipping. That God says, this got to go. That has to go. That whole relationship. There's a lot of us, sometimes, we're trying to produce fruit outside of relationship with the vine. How many of you can have the fruit of religion? You can have the fruit of legalism. You can have the fruit of tradition. But Jesus says, remain in me and I remain in you. Apart from me, you can produce nothing. And then Jesus says what? Go make disciples. Now, see, every time we ever hear go, we're always thinking of the disciples. But I want to show you something in just a moment. He says, all right, Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. Let me say this to you this morning. Everyone is making disciples. Everyone is making disciples. How many of your kids are your disciples? How many of you wish you wouldn't see some of that in your kids? How many of you ever look at your kids and say, where did they get that? Though, in my case, it would be Penny. Right? Where did that come from? It came from me. Right? Every, listen to me, everybody is making disciples. The question is, what kind of disciples are we making? 
You are, a, you are making disciples in your children. You are making disciples of those you influence the most. That word literally means to stamp your image upon. What kind of disciples are we making? Jesus says, this is what you do. You go, you go into the world, and you make disciples. What were those disciples to look like? They were to look like Jesus, because how many know that Jesus stamped his image on them, and they were to go stamp their image on others? Go and make disciples. But the question is, what are you making? Now, here's what I want you to hear. So Jesus talks, first of all, he says, go and be reconciled to your brother. Go the second mile. Go demonstrate the kingdom. Go preach this message. And I begin to think about it. I want you to hear this. When Jesus says go, it may be more a matter of where your heart is than where your feet are. When I have to hear the words of Jesus, it tells me go reconcile to my brother. I mean, it's not about my feet, it's about my heart. It's about my heart. When he tells me to go to the second mile for those people I don't like, When he says, go the second mile, radical love, radical action, radical act of free will. It's not about where my feet go. It's about where my heart is. Sometimes all we view is I'm going to go, but it's a matter of where I'm going in terms of proximity rather than where this heart is. I would suggest to you that before we worried about where we go, we have to be worried about what's going on inside of here. Going is a matter of the heart, not the feet. It's a matter of the heart, not just the feet. How many know your feet will go where your heart goes? How many know your mouth will speak out of the abundance of your heart? Only the mature, this really is tied together. Grow, go. Only the mature can go where Jesus says to go. Because listen to me. Only the mature will go reconcile with a brother. Immaturity says, I don't have to. I'm going to stay mad at them. I'm justified. They did this. They did that. But all of a sudden, when you and I become transformed as we grow into the image of Christ, how many know we can no longer operate according to the ways of the world? We can no longer operate according to the ways of the flesh. Now you and I have come to a place where all of a sudden, in my maturity, I've got to come to a place where what? It's not about I'm allowed to stay there. No, 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 no. Now, because I'm maturing, I'm now going to go where Jesus says to go. You know, what's gonna, you know what? Peter did a great job preaching about treachery to the table last week. And you know what? Some people left here last week having to go reconcile. I'm going to say something to you. Some of you need to go reconcile this week. And you need to go reconcile. Only the mature will go the extra mile. I can't go where my growth doesn't allow me to go. I don't want to go the second mile. I don't want to go the third mile. I don't want to go to fourth mile. Only the mature will demonstrate the kingdom. Think about this. The disciples had to walk with Jesus for three years 
just to get the right understanding of what the kingdom was. They were expecting an earthly kingdom where Jesus was coming in, kicking out Rome, and establishing the earthly kingdom. But it took them growing to a place of maturity to understand it was not that way. Can I say to you this morning that many times in Christianity, we have fallen far short of the kingdom message. We have fallen far short of what it means to live by kingdom culture. What does kingdom culture look like? Kingdom culture looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Kingdom culture looks like second mile. Kingdom culture looks like reconciling to brothers. Kingdom culture looks like heaven. It looks like heaven. Kingdom culture is, a, is power. Kingdom culture is prophecy. Kingdom culture is healing. Kingdom culture are the gifts of the Spirit in operation. How many of you think God has called us to the kingdom? Only the mature bear fruit. How many know an immature tree can't bear fruit? See, listen to me. There was a little bit of a progression I saw here. I go to the brother before the altar. I go the second mile after the first. I go bear fruit, and then I go to the nations. Isn't it funny? how we had to deal with the heart issues first before I could go to the nations. Sometimes we look at going for God as this. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do these great exploits. But can I suggest to you this morning that before we go there, we've got to go here where the maturity in my life reconciles me to a brother, where the maturity in my life causes me to go beyond myself, go beyond the first mile, goes the second and third mile, where the maturity in my life connects myself to the vine so that I can produce fruit. Where you go and how you go is directly related where you go and how you go is directly related to how you grow. Listen to me this morning. I'm done. My voice can't take much longer. But I want you to hear something. My question to you this, this morning is where is he telling you to go? Hmm? Is he telling you to go reconcile to a brother? Do an inventory right now. Notice it was something. That Jesus said, if you're at the altar and you remember somebody who has offense with you, it wasn't you having offense with them. It was those who are offended by you or those who have offense against you. It is the responsibility of the worshiper to go make it right. Maybe he's telling you this morning, go. And growth, the, the maturity in your life is what will drive you to do that. And maybe some of you this morning, you think, you know what? I have been just skating by, doing what I have to do with my walk with God. Just doing what I have to do. 
doing what I have to do. But maybe God's saying this morning, it's time to start going the second mile. Because see, the second mile, the first mile wasn't the demonstration of Jesus. The second mile is the demonstration of Jesus. The second mile is radical love. The second mile is radical action. The second mile is what's radical. The first mile is expected, but it's the second mile. And go preach the kingdom, but go be the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of God is inside of you. Go be the kingdom. What message are you preaching? Go make disciples. You're making disciples. I'm making disciples. God help you. The hot mess is grass. Hear my heart this morning. Lost. You were lost. Disconnected from the Father. You were lost. Separated from the Father. But he found you. Which means you're back in his hand for his purpose. But then we grow. And we mature. Why? Why? So we can go. So we can go to unity. So we can go demonstrate the kingdom. So we can go show radical love to a world. So Father, this morning, this morning, Father, we see the words where Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, go. I'm often chuckling. He's looking at 12 men. He tells them, go reconcile your brother. And I often think you got Simon the Zealot, Matthew the tax collector. They hated each other. Tax collectors generally were hated by zealots. Zealots like to kill tax collectors. Under the banner of the kingdom, these two guys come together. Crazy. And then he looks at this group of people who are oppressed by an oppressor. And he says, when they make you go a mile, go to the second mile. Oh, Jesus. So, Father, I pray this morning that we would become people that were once lost, became found, grow, but then we go. But it's not just a matter of our feet. It's a matter of our heart. Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, stand up. Let's sing something.